starting in verse 3. For what I have received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at, at the time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Thank you very much, uh, Meleni. And uh, good morning to everyone. Happy Easter. Uh, my name is Nick Stott. I'm uh, one of the pastors um, here at the church. And this morning, I think I'd like to start with a game. I think we have two teams nicely divided by the aisle. Team one on my left, team two on my right. The game is simple. It's a true or false game. And so question one to team one. True or false. Sneezes regularly exceed 100 miles an hour. Have a quick think, have a quick think. Consensus, true or false? True. They say true. The answer is true. I did have a different picture which um, actually showed the... I, 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 I went, uh, but I, I, I resisted. Uh, question two for, quest, uh, for, for team number two. The Great Wall of China is visible from the moon. Oh, it's a bit divided. Who's going to shout the loudest? I, I, what was the consensus? <laughs> it is false. Some of you thought it was true. It, it is actually, it is visible from what they call lower orbit, which is kind of a little bit of space. But from outer space or from the moon, it, it is not visible. No man-made structure uh, is. So, so I think that's a, a point each. A point each. Well done. Okay, question three for anyone at all. True or false? Jesus rose from the dead. Well, of course, that's the answer you're meant to give in church, but... And, and, and I know that Easter Day, we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead, but, but did he? I mean, did, did, really, did he? I mean, is that a true story, um, or, or is that a pretend story, a, a fairy story, a made-up story? That, that's the question. Did he? Which is it? True or false? Do you know, I, I think that is the most important question anyone can ask. Did he or did he not rise from the dead? You may have spotted um, in the reading we had just a moment ago uh, some of the really key things that Paul said uh, in 1 Corinthians 15. You might want to look at them. In verse 14, Paul, who wrote the letter to the church uh, in Corinth, he said this, If Christ 
has not been raised, our preaching is useless, <laughs> withhold judgment, uh, and so is your faith. If it's not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. It's quite blunt, isn't it? It's quite, quite brutal. Your faith, useless. He says it again in a different way, verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And again, verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men, more than all people. If he, if he hasn't been raised from the dead, if the resurrection was a pretend story, well, we are to be pitied as Christians. If he didn't do it, all of what we're doing this morning, complete waste of time. This building, complete waste of space. If it didn't happen, it's all futile. However, if he did, if it did happen, it's going to have some profound, and some, some exciting consequences and implications uh, for my life. Um, forgive this double negative, but I cannot afford not to find out whether it's true or not. So, uh, on the screen, coming up, who is, who is this? Who is this? Well, obviously it's three people, but, but who are... Sherlock Holmes. Each of these um, are modern-day representations of the great private detective, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes will appear before you. And if we asked Sherlock Holmes, the greatest investigator, the one who would look at evidence, the one who would come up with deduction after deduction, if we asked Sherlock Holmes to look at the resurrection story, what would he find? Well, the first thing our Sherlock would find, well, the first thing he would look into at least, is the claim that the tomb was empty. This hat's a little bit small for me. If I keep leaving it on, it's going to slowly rise, and, and so I'll just, I'll just park it for a moment. The first thing our Sherlock would say, would look into, is the claim that the tomb was empty. He would have examined uh, all the theories. He would have talked to Dr. Watson about it. First theory he would have come across, aha, perhaps they, the disciples and others, perhaps they went to the wrong tomb. No wonder it was empty, because it was the wrong one. He would have said, well... It's unlikely, I suppose it's possible, but if that had been made as a mistake, surely that mistake would have been righted in a cu- over a couple of days after it had happened. Because what would have happened is the disciples would have been there, they would have been looking in this tomb, they would have been saying, he's not here, he's not here. And one of them would have gone, uh, guys, it's not, it, he is here. That claim, that theory is a very weak one, that they'd gone to the wrong tomb. It wasn't a big place. They knew the area, they, and many of them had, had gone there. Well, he would have looked at another theory. He would have looked at the theory that maybe Jesus never actually died on the cross, and then early that Sunday morning, he had kind of oh, woken up, bit of a hangover feeling. He would have got up, pushed his shoulder against the, the stone that blocked the, the, uh, the tomb, and he would have just gone, and gone AWOL. Um, Again, it's not very likely, it's not very plausible. Now remember, this man, uh, just a day and a half before, had been flogged by the Romans to within an inch of his life. That flogging very often killed people uh, in itself. 
That's what happened. Then he was crucified, nailed uh, to the cross, hanging there for six hours. And they die there of asphyxiation. They cannot breathe on there. They push against the nail on their feet to get a breath and absolutely gruesome. Then the soldier who thrust a spear into his side, then shoved in the tomb, buried in the tomb, wrapped in uh, the cloths and covered with spices. Those tombstones weighed, we're told, about a, about a ton. Uh, if he had survived, implausible, what then he'd have got up and had the strength to roll a, a granite stone which weighed a ton. It, it's just, it's just not very likely. And those soldiers, they were unpleasantly good at what they did. It's just uh, a theory that holds no water at all. Well, how about the third theory that Sherlock would have uh, looked at? He would have looked at the claims, well, maybe the body was stolen. That's why there's no body. Someone stole it. Okay, who? Who would have stolen it? I mean, grave robbers, there were grave robbers in those days, but this tomb had a, had a, a, sol- a guard of soldiers outside it. Well, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, maybe the disciples, they would have stole it. The disciples were dejected and despondent, and uh, they were terrified. And again, soldiers. Well, maybe the authorities stole the body. That's why there was no body. The tomb was empty because the... Well, then, as this Christian movement began, and, and uh, they were causing all kinds of trouble, claiming that Jesus had risen from the dead, all the authorities would have had to go is, uh, mm-hmm, uh, no, he didn't. It's a theory, again, that uh, holds no water. And so, Dr. Watson, the tomb was empty, and we cannot explain it. Well, perhaps Sherlock Holmes would have looked at the empty tomb. I think he would have scrutinized the accounts of the eyewitnesses from our reading, verse 5. This was one report. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. And there are other similar reports, even from those who didn't believe in Jesus, which is a little bit odd, but they reported it too. Now, most of these witnesses were people who knew Jesus before his death, and so that rules out mistaken identity, because they they knew him before. And we can't write this off as seeing a ghost, uh, if, if you believe in that sort of thing, because... Many of these witnesses say that they talked with him at length, they, went, they walked with him, they went, some went on, a, on a, a journey of, number, of 10 miles or more. Others say that they had meals with him and, and ghosts don't eat food. So we can't dismiss this as a mass hallucination either because uh, it wasn't just on one occasion, it was on lots of occasions uh, over a six-week period, different people, different times. And of course there's that phrase at the end of that verse we just looked at, most of whom are still living. Do you see, see what the author, Paul, is, is doing? He is inviting his first readers to go and check it out for themselves. And yeah, it, it's a big claim. This Jesus came back from the dead. But most of the first witnesses are still living today. Go and check it out for yourself. I was in church uh, a number of years ago. It was Easter Sunday. And the vicar uh, in that church, uh, loads of the kids were kind of near the front. And uh, the vicar that day um, brought out a can of uh, dog food, pedigree charm or something. And and he he opened it there and then. He got a spoon out and he dug his spoon in and he he said, "Uh, anyone for a snack? And uh, no one took him up on it. So he started eating this 
pedigree charm. We could smell it. We saw it. It, 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 it was hideous. Um, he, somehow he didn't gag, but he ate dog food proper right in front of us. Uh, I've told a number of people that. The others who are in the church would have gone on Sunday lunch and say, you would never believe what the vicar did at church this morning. He opened a can of dog food. All those people that we told believed a pretty uh, unusual, extraordinary, weird thing that this vicar at dog food in the middle of the Easter Sunday church service. Why did they believe it? Well, they, they believed it because they knew the people who were telling them the story. They, people I told believed it because they know me. And they believed and trusted me. And, and I was the eyewitness. I saw it. I smelt it, it was, uh, and it was disgusting. Um, but apparently the following year, he had a daffodil in front of everyone. I wasn't there for this one, but I heard it. And then after the service, he didn't realize at the time that daffodils are poisonous. And after the service, he was... Anyway, sorry. But the point is, when those eyewitnesses told people what they saw, people believed them because they knew the eyewitnesses. He wasn't prone to making stuff up like this. She wasn't someone to be conned by a trick. They knew and trusted the people who were these eyewitnesses who told them. And that's why the belief spread and, and people uh, believed it, because of the eyewitnesses. So very important. So our, our friend Sherlock uh, would have been uh, astonished by the eyewitnesses. And thirdly, And finally, he would have considered the impact or the effect on the disciples. And you see, this is very strange, because those disciples, uh, when Jesus was arrested and and killed, those disciples were terrified. They they were scared. There wasn't a backbone amongst them. They they were fearful for their own lives. Afterwards, they met in, uh, in a room and locked the door in case anyone came in. They were afraid for their own lives. Their hero, their friend... Their leader had just been humiliatingly uh, arrested and beaten and killed in front of them. But, you know, within two months, those same people were back in the city where Jesus was killed. And they were telling everyone that they had seen him, that they had walked with him again. They actually say, we cannot help but speak of what we have heard and seen. And this was in response to threats. And those threats became reality. They were so transformed that they were willing to endure prison, beatings, torture, and ridicule because they knew it was true. We cannot help but speak of what we have heard and seen. We know the principles sometimes of cause and effect. The impact or effect of something points to a cause. So, some examples. Uh, A shadow proves there is light or sunlight, which is creating the shadow. An echo proves there was an original sound, which is being echoed. Steam proves there is a a source of heat. A waterline proves that there was water there at one point, perhaps a flood. The rustling of leaves proves the wind. The change in the disciples' lives from terrified to courageous points to something extraordinary. And in verse 3, second half verse 3, it's told us there that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 
that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Something must have made them shift from being weak and fearful to being courageous. And what could have had a more profound impact than seeing Jesus alive again after they had seen him die? Elementary, my dear Watson. The empty tomb, the accounts of the eyewitnesses, the impact on the disciples. Dr. Watson, we have a problem. This is very disturbing. I fear there can be no other explanation. This this must be true. It must be true. Uh, One former chair of modern history at Oxford, Thomas Arnold, and uh, historians analyze and research and check and look for truth, look for facts. And he said this, I know of, one, of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort than that Christ died and rose again. Former Lord, acting Lord Chief Justice of England, Charles Darling, said, in its favor as living truth, there exists such overwhelming evidence, positive and negative, factual and circumstantial, that no intelligent jury in the world could fail to bring in a verdict that the resurrection story is true. And a professor of law from Harvard uh, some years ago, Dr. Simon Greenleaf, said this, it was impossible that the apostles could have a could have persisted in affirming the truths they had narrated had not Jesus Christ actually risen from the dead. True or false? I'm convinced it, it is true. And it's an incredibly important question. So if this really happened, if this really happened, what does it mean? Well, let me leave you with, with four implications, maybe to take to your Sunday lunch today. The first is that Jesus is no longer dead. Jesus is alive. And if he is alive, that means I can be in relationship with him today. I can know him. I can speak with him. I can hear him because he has conquered death. Jesus is alive. The second is that Jesus is who he said he was. Now, he he always told his disciples, it's recorded, that this was going to happen. Both his death, they didn't want to believe it, and that he would raise. And he told them as well, the reason for that is that he was God coming to pay for their sins. He rose from the dead proving he was who he said he was, God himself living among us. The the third one speaks of that sin, that the sacrifice was acceptable. The sin was dealt with. In uh, verse 17, where it said, if Jesus didn't rise Your faith is futile because you are still in your sins. Well, if he did rise, well, then we are not in our sins anymore. It's God raising him and saying, that sacrifice, mission accomplished. Sacrifice accepted. Sin dealt with. And fourthly, death is not the end. Death is not the end. Jesus conquered it. He got through it. He can get us through it. Friends, the the Easter story is an amazing story. It's not a pretend story. It's not a fairy story. It's a true story. And it's a story with you and me in it. God loves us. He always has. 
We've messed up from time to time, each of us, every one of us has. Now he made a plan to make it right, the cross of Christ. God raised him to show us that plan worked, that death was beaten, that we could be forgiven. The victory of Easter Sunday is available to every one of us. I'm going to ask Quinn and uh, his team to come up. And uh, they are going to uh, play us a song which, uh, as, as they sing it, we'll look at the words and it tells the Easter story. And I, I just encourage you to reflect on the Easter story, reflect on the truth, reflect on what it means uh, to us. And, and I think maybe in the second half of the song, he'll call us all to our feet and we can join in. Sorrows, Lamb of God, by His own betrayed. Sin of man, the wrath of God has been on Jesus' name. as He stood accused, beaten, mocked, and scorned, bowing to the Father's will, He took the crown of All that rugged cross Yeah. 